So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. Jeremy's a, a seasoned pro, so he knows how this this works. So, welcome to Yeah Aha with Lisa and Phil and our frequent flyer co-host Aaron. Boy, his arms must be tired. Hi, Aaron. Many greetings. Hello. This week we're talking to Jeremy Bryant, host of Paranormal, the New Normal podcast. So, welcome, yes. Jeremy. Yep. Welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Now, when, when Philip told me paranormal, I thought about like my ghost story and, uh, and how, you know, when weird things happen, we would, uh, and my parents weren't superstitious really, but we would sage the house, that kind of thing. But you are discussing cryptids. Yeah. I can, I can discuss anything paranormal, but cryptids are my, cryptids are my, uh, Bread and butter, basically. <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell everybody what a cryptid is? Well, for those who don't know, and well, there's a lot out there that don't know this still, because, I mean, paranormal is becoming new normal slightly, but it takes time, and people are more into the spiritual side than the solid bone and flesh side of it. And cryptids are basically just any creature that people believe exists and have been seen, but we don't have the scientific proof to say yet they're this species, they're this genus, they're this basically the whole scientific name for them we don't have this we don't have the Loch Ness monster type yes Loch Ness monster is a famous famous cryptid as well as Bigfoot which I mean there's a lot more sea monsters out there than just Loch Ness but yeah Loch Ness is the big one Chupacabra yeah Ooh, Chupacabra we'll get into that because Chupacabra is a whole nother story yet even a lot of famous cryptozoologists don't know what to think about the Chupacabras Hmm. okay mermaids uh pegasi Unicorns. But how many unicorn sighting? I mean, when we're talking about cryptids, though, aren't you really talking about like things you, that there are like chronicled or documented sightings? There are those who have said they saw unicorns. Most of the time, they are uh, written off as single horned goats. Okay. Possibly. I mean, everybody know. It won't. Well, I don't know if everybody knows this, but it's pretty common knowledge that the original story of the unicorn came from Marco Polo. And it was later believed that he was talking about a rhinoceros. But, I mean, can unicorns exist? I mean, there's more history than, to them than just that one sighting. I mean, the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans believed in them. So they could have possibly existed at one point in history, and they may just got wiped out because anything with a horn, humans have to kill to take the horn. I don't know why, but humans are just not nice creatures to begin with. Right. Yeah. Which is why if, if aliens do come, they're going to kill us all. Apex Predator, the, you know. So I was listening to some of your podcasts, uh, your past podcast. I listened, listened to one of the more recent ones with Christopher Salsi. Ooh, one of my favorite guests I had on. And I actually plan on having him back on in October for a Halloween episode because oh, he has more, he has more stories to tell. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was really good. But I noticed while he was talking, you alluded to Gilgamesh and it occurred to me. Where do I remember Gilgamesh from? And it was from uh, world literature class. Mrs. Harding's world literature class. The epic poem by Akkadian was one of the things that she covered. Um, the- yeah, the Ballad of Gilgamesh is a very famous Mesopotamian. It's one of the first ever like folklore, first ever mythological stories is Gilgamesh. And, and yes, he was in Marvel's Eternals uh, that came out a couple years ago. But <laughs> Gilgamesh is stories do include him fighting a werewolf or a dog man for what we par- what we in the paranormal feel like to call them dog men because i hate the word werewolf i really do because mm-hmm. do- dog men don't have they don't only come out they don't only turn at the full moon they don't only get killed by silver bullets i'm pretty sure a regular gun would kill them too but mm-hmm. so i mean but gilgamesh and also his best friend some people have hypothesized by the way he's described could have been a bigfoot his best friend uh Enkidu, I think his name is. It's a, I, yeah, I think it is Enkidu because I love saying that name and I always remember it because it's such a fun name to say. But Enkidu, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I say it when I'm listening to the stories. I'm like, I love podcast mythology series, so that's where I get a lot of my, my mythology from. And when they talk about Gilgamesh and Enkidu, it's like, oof, like that name just sticks with you. And they describe him as a hairy, eight nine foot man. I mean, the size varies in different tellings, but. He basically sounds like a Bigfoot. So that's one of the original origins that people believe that one of the first proof of that Bigfoot had been around since we've been around. 
And that and, maybe um, we had a better relationship at one point. I, I have heard legends that they might, that like the Bigfoot might be actually descended uh, from Esau, from the Bible. Oh, from Esau. Yeah, or Esau. Esau. Yeah, however you want to say it. However you want to say it but. I never, um, I, I didn't learn that kind of thing in church. I, yeah, I mean, well. I learned it from the Grateful Dead, my brother Esau. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, I won't go into why I think of organized religion, but I mean, the church hides a lot of things that they should be telling people about. There's, I believe, 23 books that were taken out of the Bible at some point, including the Book of Lilith and the Book of, I can't remember them all, there's so many, but I know the Book of Lilith, that's the one I always tend to go with because they took out the book about Adam's first wife, so, which it's, it's believed that she might have created a lot of these creatures, if that mythology is to be believed, I mean. I call it mythology because to me, the Bible is just another story. It can't be proven in a lot of ways. Do you think they weren't invited to the uh, Ark? A lot of them? I mean, well, they're, I mean, just like the Nephilim, the giants, they were a lot of the creatures that they were, that it's believed that God was trying to destroy because Mm -hmm. they were abominations in his eyes. Mm -hmm. So as been proven, the Nephilim may not have all died out in the flood either. So who knows? I mean, there's a lot. The thing with paranormal is there's a lot of what ifs and a lot of we don't know. That's the biggest yeah. thing that draws people away. Even though more people are getting into it, a lot of people are still drawn away by the we don't know, which I'm sorry, we can't prove these things because <laughs> either the government knows about them and is hiding them from us or they, or we just can't find like the solid proof we need. I mean, I see video and posted pictures of Bigfoot every day on Facebook. Doesn't mean it's real. Doesn't mean it's not faked, which I would hope people aren't trying to do that constantly because why would you poke fun at something that, that could be really real? Right. And why would you? What's the... Just to draw attention or just to... Yeah, you're not really gaining much of it except yeah. maybe your 15 minutes of fame or whatever. But Exactly. But it's like, okay, so I go back to Gilgamesh, and, and obviously you're demonstrating a knowledge of the Bible here. You're demonstrating a breadth of knowledge about mythology that I don't have personally. So you're speaking to a novice. Um, so where did it begin for you? Obviously, you built up this uh, uh, wealth of uh, knowledge about it. I mean, did, did it start in school with uh, uh, some sort of class or, or maybe a teacher that inspired you or something that predates that? Well, I mean, technically it all started in elementary school. I was a, I was a good kid. So during lunch, I would spend my time helping the librarian out, like put away books and whatnot. So I used to always find this one book on paranormal subjects. Like it was, a cryptid book. It was Bigfoot, Loch Ness, all the ones that people talked about even in the early 90s and were well known. And there's also a little section at the end about living dinosaurs, which is a favorite topic of mine when it comes to paranormal. But And that's basically where it started. And then over time, I would see the TV shows like Monsters and Mysteries of America and Monster Quest and all the 90s ones like the Leonard Nimoy's one and William Shatner's ones. I can't like unexplained mysteries and all that. Like they would touch on this stuff once in a while. A lot of times it was more about like murder cases, but in search lot, of, yeah, search of, yeah, in search of, thank you. I couldn't think of it, but so I mean, and then all that kind of just went away when I went to college and you know, college, I want to drink, party, have fun, get my degrees. And eventually I started listening to a podcast called Monsters Among Us by Derek Hayes, who has been on my show in the last month. And that episode came out a couple, a couple weeks ago. And his podcast is people calling in their encounters with anything paranormal, ghosts, cryptids, aliens, anything you want to think that's paranormal, they call it in. Even He even found some stuff that no one else knew about that people reported seeing, especially a certain phenomenon called mirrored men. But that podcast and also Small Town Monsters podcast, Monsteropolis, they reignited my passion for the paranormal. And I started doing all this research online and I've always been into mythology. I mean, when I was, since I was a kid, I like to read mytho- mythological stories and I was brought up Christian. So I know the Bible. I've read it when I was a kid a couple of times and I just always was a reader. So I always read and read and read more about this stuff. And eventually podcasts helped fill in the gaps I didn't know about for mythology and for paranormal. And to this point where I, st- I was starting podcasting by, cause I got, I got, I saw an open invitation on a Facebook group I was in because he wanted to start a podcast. And mm-hmm. I ended up becoming Bracket Bastards, which is a pop culture tournament. And they kept telling me, you have a good voice for podcasting. You're intelligent. You should start some of your own shows. 
about things that you're passionate about that we really don't cover in this show. So I said, okay. And I thought for a while, and I'm like, paranormal. That's why I want to start my first show as, because I love the paranormal, and I love just talking about it to people, and I love talking to people who are in a different field of it. As you've seen in my show, I've had a lot of different variations of paranormal-related activity on my show, and it's amazing. I mean, to talk to someone like Christopher Susie, who's seen the devil and heard the devil three times, supposedly, or talking to mediums and psychics or talking to Bigfoot investigators. Like, it's all just fascinating. You learn something new every episode. I Every episode I do, I learn something new, at least. Something yeah. I didn't know. Well, something, I mean, yeah, I, something we've learned in podcasting is that, that people are so receptive. I mean, they really want to come on. And for mm-hmm. most part, they're so cool, you know, so to, so nice. You know, we've had such good experiences like and, that. And, and in the majority, informed about what they are talking about. But I'm impressed mm-hmm. with the... uh the backgrounds of the people that he's had, that you've had, Jeremy, mm-hmm. on your show, you know, not that I've mm-hmm. listened to, you know, I've listened to a cross section of things and, and parts of things, but just the number of guests and people that seem to be, you know, actively engaged in this, uh, you know, investigation and, and in the whole paranormal, uh, subsect of society, I guess. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. You know, how, how do you get, or how do you uh, secure those guests? I mean, a variety of ways. Um, when I first started out, it was basically off Facebook. I mean, I would just find, I mean, the first, the first guest I ever had was a guest on Bracket Bastard. She's friends of friends that are on the show regularly. And she just said, like, like she talked about, I was talking to her and she, one day and she just said, like, I've had a lot of paranormal experiences when it comes to spirits. And she even had the, the picture for the episode is even a handprint of spirit left in her chest. So. I got her in my first episode, which to this day is still my highest listened to episode. I don't know if that's just because it's number one or because people are just intrigued by her story. I couldn't tell you. No one really gives me feedback, but it's the highest listened to episode. It has almost 50 plays at this point, which is compared to some of my other episodes, it's a lot. And Facebook's been a big help. All the need a guest, be a guest in different podcast groups are on Facebook. Going after other people, I've had other people that have been in my show recommend other people that they know that would like to talk about stuff in my show. So I'm like, sure, send them my way. Right. I mean, po- the website, the website Podmatch is a great link, a great source for guests, and yeah. you actually you actually get paid for having guests for some people on that site. So it's an incentive to have those guests on. And I've had some really interesting ones that are coming out soon that have been from Podmatch. I talked to a 14 year old author last night. Who has written 18 books and has had 11 published at 14 years old? Wow! Wow! Prodigy. <laughs> what what uh, what subject range? She's done everything from anti-bullying books about anti-bullying to books about a science fiction series about an alien invasion called Bio Biome Lock. Um, she's done another one with a name I can't pronounce. I'm not going to try to, but it's basically a haunting slash ghost series. Her name is Shanti Hershenson. She's brilliant i mean talking to her for an hour was amazing a 14 year old and it just blew my mind that someone that young could do so much i wish i could do that much by 14 years old for god's sake i mean yeah no doubt i I had aspirations of doing things like that and it just never went that way but she's got 11 books published by being what uh 14 so ninth grade that's insane amazing yeah yeah, I saw that was out there. I, I I get notices, you know, because I'm part of your group now. So I get notices that you started one, and I saw that, and I was like, hey, you know, uh, oh, that's so one. Do you I'll, have her information? Well, I have that episode. I I can show you that up. Okay. You know, I can provide a link Good. to that episode in the show notes. And, yep. And when her when her podcast releases in a couple of weeks, I'll have all her information in the description as well, so people can find her. And buy, oh, that's I right. You just, did, you just did the stream last night, but then, yeah. of course. Yeah. Oh my my yeah, my podcasts are usually like a month out from when I stream because I just have so many backlogged at this point that it takes time to get them all out. And I only I do two a week now just because I have the content. I used to do yes. one a week, but I do two a week now and my I mean it just increases my plays, so why not? And it helps me get the word out there more about more people. Right. My podcast. Your, uh, do you edit and how long is your average episode? I edit barely on my paranormal show. I basically I cut off any talking in the beginning before I do the intro and I mm-hmm. cut off the, the end. I sometimes edit if I'm like talking to people who are watching the show at the end, but because right. otherwise my podcast, otherwise my listeners of my podcast are going to get a little confused. But yeah. other than that, I mean, my episodes are basically, they can go anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, mm-hmm. sometimes 
sometimes two hours, but usually it's an hour at an hour is usually the average time. Cause I, yeah. I don't want it. My shows are about the guest and I don't want to keep them there. Just answering any random question I could think of. Like I prefer, I mean, some people like who are other podcasters who are into paranormal encrypteds, we have two hour episodes because, or we have crossovers where I'm on their show for an hour. They're on my show for an hour because we can talk. We, we both, we both have the same thing. We could talk for two hours about cryptids and not run out of material to talk about. So it just depends on the guest, of course. Everyone's conversant and contributing ideas and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I kicked around the idea of maybe, you know, maybe we should do some uh, streaming. And, uh, you know, maybe that would help stimulate a little bit of listen- listenership or whatever. You but you're going to cuss the place down? I am. She says too many controversial things. <laughs> I would have to completely, you know, I'd have to learn how to edit that or have some kind of delay system where I could beep her because I, I, she just goes off on tangents. I don't well, think I'm that bad. Tangents, yes. Controversy. <laughs> put it this way. If you put out your show live, depending where you put it, whether it's a group on Facebook or a page on Facebook or wherever, just mm-hmm. don't advertise it for kids. That's all you gotta do. And right. I mean, on oh, my, yeah, on my, yeah. I mean, on my music show, we, we say, we say a lot of messed up stuff. I mean, we just do. I mean, we, my co-host Chancey has a joke. Of, oh my, I don't, I'm not even going to go into it because it's such a true joke, but it's an ongoing thing in our show about it's, let's just say it's about just the tip. <laughs> But <laughs> and it, it, revol- it revolves around a corpse's eye socket. But yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. we actually I mean, interviewed a waitress who wrote a book called Just the Tip. Right, right. Tanya Fitch. I think that was a different subject, though. Well, it was double entendre. Well, it was, it was both. It, but it had oh, nothing to do with an eyeball, though. But yeah, I guess I or an eye socket. Be, yeah, they think I'm controversial, but I don't get the dirty jokes all the time. Yeah, and I mean. And I mean, on Bracket Bastards, we've done a few live ones as well, and we get pretty raunchy on that show. We we do because we're talking. Yeah. I mean, especially a couple of us, we just get into dirtier subjects. I mean, if we're talking about a Batman movie, we're going to talk about Halle Berry and uh, leather and Catwoman. I mean, come on. But, so, are you a fan or not of that? Of uh, what? I thought Halle she Berry looked and leather? good, and she approved the suit. She liked that suit. She picked it. Put it this they way: go with swordfish. Oh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, Halle Berry's good in anything she's in, in my opinion. And her and a her and a leather suit is just dream fuel, dream fuel. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay. So a lot of a lot of people that are really heavy into Batman don't like that particular entry into the franchise. But you know. well, it it was a stand it, it was a standalone film to begin with. It had nothing to do with any of the actual like universes of that or movies are out there for. So I mean, how many Batman just, do they have now? Yeah, right. I mean. There is no, there, I mean, there is no Funny. Batman, that movie. It's just a pure Catwoman origin film of anything. And they mm-hmm. did a good, I thought they did a good job. I mean, it's a good origin story for Catwoman. It's not the original by far, but there's been multiple versions yeah. of the original put out now. So it, it could be one. So we, yeah, so we, I do, know Philip's favorite Catwoman, I do believe is Eartha Kitt. No, so, Julie Newmar. Oh, Julie Newmar. Absolutely. Terribly sorry. Don't ever make that mistake again. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm interested in what your music, uh, uh, shows about. I mean, we do a lot of music, uh, stuff, so, you know, we just did an episode on the band Ween, for instance, that, mm-hmm. uh, I was pretty happy with. That was Aaron's brainchild. But what, what is the, uh, topic? Well, Ween, I can't, I can't say I've even heard of that, but. I might yeah, nobody ever has. Nobody's heard of it. Yes, it's, um, <laughs> actually, it's a pretty well done band and they're still touring today and they've been around since Not, when is it, Aaron? Right. Very. Yeah. Late eighties, early nineties, I guess. W-E-E-N. It's, uh, it's something of a novelty band. No, kind of a cross between bands. novelty and fish. They're just unusual. They're very, uh, right. inventive, right? Am I wrong, Aaron? Well, you are wrong. Yeah, but, uh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't Put try to Sorry, describe Aaron described the band. I just said I wouldn't try. It's, they're too genre bending to try to describe them. Well, right. put it this way. My show is called Maniacal Music Musings and it's an album town show. So each episode, we have a guest on since the fourth episode every, every week. And mm. me and my, and we missed one week because our guest had a issue, but that's fine. Um, and basically every week, me and my co-host bring an album to the table each. And our guest brings an album to the table and we each have to listen to each album and give a review of each one and pick our top five songs of each one, which 
I mean, I've been throwing albums that like Sunhouse is uh father of the Delta Blues. Like my co-host maybe listened to that one week and I was just like, shoot me now. But <laughs> the whole time listening to the album, I'm like, shoot me now. But my co-host has also brought in Guar. He's brought in Dog Fashion Disco and other bands I never listened to. But like I learned to love them. Like I think Guar is amazing now. I think Dog Fashion Disco is amazing, which is where the just a tip joke comes from because they have a lot of controversial songs about really controversial things, but they're, the way they do it is amazing. And when you said genre crossing for, uh, when that made me think of dog fashion disco, cause they do the same thing. Like they'll do heavy metal one song. They'll do like a beach boys song. The next track they'll do anything. Yeah. I mean, they, they yeah. even redid the, they even redid Greece, the song Greece. Like it's, it's incredible. And yeah. so it's a lot. People love being on the show because it's just a way to learn about new music you never heard of, but you right. may love if you actually gave it a chance. And if you if someone told you to listen to it and you do, you might love it. So right. the album we dove deep into is the Mollusk. It was it was its twenty fifth anniversary recently. Yeah, right. I'm asking my coach right now. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> you, you should consider having Aaron on. Yeah, Aaron's I, Aaron's pretty exciting. He's probably heard most of the albums you guys will come up with. Well, I have to, in all fairness, I enjoyed that. Well, I enjoyed the house. Yeah. yeah. It grew on me as we listened. Uh, a cousin of mine recommended oh, Guar. The, it, the it Ween grew. Not, you like the way not, the Ween made you feel? Yeah. It, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I liked a lot of Ween. <laughs> no, I didn't. You like a lot ween. of Ween? We got ween. Yeah, there was a whole album I liked, but I can't remember which Smoked one it was. Smoked some Ween at the same time. Yeah. Um, so Pink Eye. Remember Pink Eye? We were talking about mm-hmm. the, the Zither. Song Pink Eye on My Leg? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the zither sound. Yeah. I want to circle just for a second, Jeremy. I'm sorry. I want to circle back. Lisa actually meant that a it theremin. sounded like a theremin. A theremin. Sound. And that makes oh. all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It does, it does sound like he's got a theremin there, but it's just some kind of weird effect on his guitar. And that's pretty, that's impressive. It's pretty inventive. Yeah. 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 But, um, but, mm-hmm. but back to the, uh, yeah, back to the back to mythology. Du- okay, well, Aaron actually stumped my co-host because he's never heard of Ween either. So I yeah. we might ha- we definitely might have, to have him come on and bring some uh, Ween on to the show because mm-hmm. my co-host, if, if it's anything like Dolphins and Disco, my co-host will love it. So you will, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's uh, very eclectic. Each track is different from the other, entirely different from the other. But it's they rented a house on the New Jersey shore and. Um, Every day they were either on mushrooms or liquid acid and they wrote, um, and they were influenced heavily by this book of sea shanties that one of the members had. And it's this bizarre, trippy, um, it was the inspiration for some SpongeBob SquarePants too, the album. Oh, so yeah, stuff like sure. that makes me want some more. I, oh, I believe it. Stuff, I mean, the people who made SpongeBob yeah, they, SquarePants also made, um, Rocco's Modern Life. So. Both uh, those shows are trippy as hell. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I you've mean, heard Mar- Ocean Man, right? Ocean Man is a big track of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think they play it in the end credits of the movie. They play Ocean Man, but they, um, they wrote a song about tying your shoes and for like season one, you know, that, that, uh, what's his name? Steven Hillenberg requested. And, okay. Uh, yeah. It's, well, that's interesting. I, mean, I want to hear your other pod because that's that's similar to what we're kicking around the idea of doing uh, somewhat, you know. And uh, that yeah. we enjoyed that one with uh, with Will. And but um, but Aaron Aaron's a big fan of American Gods. I know he's talked about this show with Ian McShane. Oh, right. I love the book was good too. Yeah. I love the book. The book Neil Gaiman's book is. For, I mean, it's Neil Gaiman. He's oh, a Neil Gaiman. God. I mean, it's he's a god of writing. I mean, I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I've been watching The Sandman recently too on Netflix, but which I mean, I never read, I never read the source material for that, so I can't really talk about the comparison for that. But American Gods, I only watched the first season so far, but they fell they follow the book perfectly. They do, yeah. and the book got me so bad, like with the twist when they find out like who Wednesday is, like when you find out who he really is. I was like, oh my god, why didn't I see that and put it together? Like it's just the way he writes it is so good and. The way they go through all the different cultures and everything is just so amazing. I mean, Neil Gaiman is just an American masterpiece. Like he really is. Yeah. Or is he American or British? I'm, yeah. Uh, British, I maybe. I mean, I think he was British, but whatever it is, he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's a master. 
He is a but, he's a master writer. He is. Yeah. Well, whether it's that show or or others, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, up to speed on uh, mythological figures and gods and things like that. What are some uh, uh, pop culture or media that's out there for a novice like me? I mean, American Gods may be one. What are some other programs and movies that you would recommend that uh, would catch me up to speed somewhat on? Uh, I mean, it's sad because. But I mean, that's the problem. Like, Thor is a good reference point. I will say that Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which there's two movies out for that. And they're doing a Disney Plus TV series about that. And that ties very closely to Greek myths, like very closely. And they do do a decent job in the books, at least. Rick Riordan did, if I'm saying his last name right, but he did a good job in the books for those as well. Um, I'm trying to think of what I mean. Uh, there's a book series by. Rochelle Mead, who wrote Vampire Academy, which is an upcoming Hulu series, I believe, or Peacock, something like that. Um, she wrote a series called Game Board of the Gods. And it's basically about the gods having avatars on Earth that they talk to. And it's, it's similar to American gods in a way, but the actual gods aren't on Earth themselves. It's just avatars that they use and talk to. And that was an amazing book series. They never have made it into anything you could watch yet, but they really should, because I actually just remembered about that last night for the first time in years, because I was talking to the 14-year-old author about her different... I was recommending books to her after she recommends the book series to me, and I was like, oh yeah, Game Board of the Gods. I mean, I actually have to check up to see if she wrote any more of those, because I believe there's only two out when I stopped reading them, because, I mean, I have stepkids now, and I can't read anything, because I don't have time to do anything with podcasting and whatnot, but so, I mean, that, but that's the biggest problem, is there is not too much out there that is based on mythology anymore. Like some good stuff yeah. in uh, the Discworld series from Terry Pratchett. All the gods live in uh, a place called Dun Manifestin. It's, what? it's kind is of a, a comedic take. It's a it's a book series. It's like forty books. He um he co wrote uh, he co wrote Good Omens with Neil Gaiman, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, and I've I mean yeah I mean if I mean yeah you could watch the old Hercules series too, but that really. Yeah, that the, that the Disney movie Hercules is kind of interesting. See, no, I mean it's it's interesting and it's a classic, but and I can't wait. I can't wait if they're doing a if they really are doing a live action remake. I can't wait for it. But it's just, I mean, the problem the problem with Greek mythology is you can't make it family oriented because it's really not. Mm-hmm. Zeus was Zeus was the purest form of a rapist ever invented. Like <laughs> pretty much, he would rape any woman he came across that he found attractive and. Then turn them into an animal if, he didn't, if they tried to talk about it. So, I mean, wow. there's a woman, there's a woman that's still living as a cow somewhere in Olympus because of that. So, <laughs> yeah. it's just, I yeah. mean, you're referring to like the Kevin Sorbo Hercules program, the the, the series. No, they cleaned that up for. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, they, it's, it was the 90s. They cleaned it up, <laughs> but yeah. or 80s even maybe. But I mean, and even Hercules, they never have done right because in Greek mythology. Hercules was tricked into killing and slaughtering his wife and kids. And then that's why he does his 12 labors is to make up for doing that. So, yeah. I mean, they Greek mythology is for adults, 100%, the way it's originally told. And it's just full of, I mean, everything. I mean, the centaurs in freaking Greek, Greek mythology would rape humans. Like, that's what they were known for. And that's why the Greek kings slaughtered a lot of them until there was yeah. only one or two left. So. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, Greek mythology is so messed up when you actually read the originals yeah. or hear the originals. And same as Roman, same as Egyptian. I mean, they all have dark pasts and dark histories, but they were trying to teach lessons when they wrote these. I mean, do, I actually tend to believe, I mean, my whole theory when it comes to all this is I can't believe in one God because there's not one of anything in this universe. Why would there be one God? Why wouldn't there be multiples of gods, which... I've had different people come to different things. I've had people on my show that have said that there is one God, but they create all these under gods just to be on earth and kind of assume things until Christianity came around and they were able to make everybody believe one story. Right. Well, you know, that kind of segues into a question that I, that I, you know, you try to come up with thought provoking questions and you never know if you really hit it, but let's go ahead and take a break. And after (laughs) we come back from our uh, sponsor break, I'm going to ask Jeremy a, a question. Well, I have a question first. Okay, pertaining to what we just talked about, just real quick. 
Okay. When we're back from the break, there's an encrypted series by Shannon McGuire. Shannon McGuire. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, by Shannon S E A N A N McGuire. M A G U I R E. I can't say it rings a bell. Okay. She also did a series called October Day. Uh, and that's very much uh, mythology, um, but it's kind of a mythology she created in in some ways. Interesting. In a lot, and in, in actually, in, you know, um, Aaron, we were talking about a series of books by Shannon McGuire called the Encrypted Series. Okay. Yeah, um, it's, yes, it's I'll a female author. She also did um, a series called October Day, D-A-Y-E. That's the woman's actual name. Um, and it's magic and fantasy and, and encrypteds and gods that she she created her own life mythology. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. what's this? So you have to learn the mythology before you can Based understand the narrative. Really. No, it, no, it breaks you in pretty easily because... Um, when you first meet October Day, she's been um, she's been a fish for like I think sixty or more years. Huh. Yeah, that's Somebody... familiar. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's October Day. The encrypted series is more more real world, but like a like a side thing. And um, the uh, it's the Covenant of Saint something. Hold on, let me see if I can. Uh... Yeah, the Covenant of St. George. And basically, they protect um, the regular populace, the unaware people, um, against, um, like, encrypteds and uh, the evils in the world. Um, and it turns out that there's a family that breaks off because they actually don't believe. They were with St. George, but they broke off and um, they protect the encrypteds now because they believe that you, just because you're a Naga doesn't mean you're evil. Hmm. Interesting. I think too. There, there's another book series I read years ago, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it has to do with a woman who's like a supernatural paranormal investigator and mm-hmm. she helps people get, people get rid of ghosts and other evil things in their house. And mm-hmm. she, Ends up traveling to this other dimension where she meets, like, I want to say he's the Storm King or he's something along those lines. And he's in, he's in a bondage, apparently. But, and it's just, it's, uh, of, course. The, of course. But it was like a four or five book series that this author did. I can't think of the name of the books or the author. Oh my God, it's been so long, but it's amazing. Like, cause it deals with everything. It deals with like, um, Japanese folklore as well with, uh, Kitsunis Stormborn. and all that. That sounds very familiar. Is that it? Yeah. I, I mean, typed I was, in some of the words you said and that, that's, that came up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was typing in like Storm King trying to think of it, but oh, it's Rochelle Mead. That's why I know who it is. Yeah. The same woman. Who, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. That, that was the same time I was reading Vampire Academy and all that. So yeah, Rochelle Mead is one of my, Definitely favorite authors, like my top, in my top 10 at least, cause she's the, mm-hmm. the three series I've read of hers that she's written are freaking amazing. Like she knows how to write everything from vampires to mythology to stuff you can't even think of, like just stuff you yeah. can't even think of. She's amazing. And I wish well, they would turn that into a series too, but sounds like just some good reading material and stuff for people to check out. Well, if yeah. you haven't heard of it, there's another series I can highly recommend by Kim Harrison and it's based in Cincinnati. Which is where huh. we're at, by the way, if we didn't mention before. Well, yeah. yeah. That, that, see, that makes it interesting when things are based like around you or stories take place like in, like I, I grew up in New York, in Kingston, New York. And mm-hmm. on the TV show Grimm, his mm-hmm. parents died in an accident in Rhinebeck, New York, mm-hmm. which is literally the next town over across the bridge from where I grew up. So mm-hmm. that, that to me was awesome that they threw that little small nowhere town. Into yeah. a Grim was mate. a cool show. So. Yeah, oh that's a God. perfect Love example Grimm. of what we were talking about Love before. It. Yeah, that would be every good. episode. Yeah. I could watch the whole series again. I probably will. But see, um, Grimm's Grimm's not mythology; it's folklore. There's a diff- There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. Yeah, they might touch on some mythological things, but it's more folklore based on like the Grimm, the actual Grimm stories and other uh, fairy tale stories, which. I love all those too because they're just so adult oriented. The original ones compared to the way they mm-hmm. made them children like nowadays. Yeah. I mean, 
Little Red Riding Hood alone is so beastly compared to like the story that you tell kids. Oh just, yeah. Yeah, I have the I have both versions of a lot of the fairy tales, books wise. You know. Well, I feel like my question is rather infantile, so I think I will mm-hmm. I will save that. Right. And uh get move on to have you ever you do a cool impersonation of Sasquatch at the beginning of your show. <laughs> it's pretty good because I was listening to some actual recorded captures and I was like, you know what, Jeremy hit this pretty good. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got the voice down pretty good. Have you ever seen a cryptid or gone on an expedition to investigate the uh, sighting or, you know, that type of thing? Well, one, thank you. You're the first person to ever comment me on that. <laughs> and that's actually my. That's actually my anchor ad that I start that oh, off yeah? with. That, okay. Because I created a mascot for my show named Squatchy, who was in all my ads. I've done different ads from Podcorn too, where Squatchy. he's the, and I use, I, I use Squatchy as my, uh, I pitch him as my mascot and I try to like, like I did a, um, ad for Postclo, mm-hmm. where about like being able to save your pictures and like make them last a lifetime. And I did yeah. one about, uh, Squatchy trying to catch a picture of Loch Ness Monster, but. <laughs> nice. Which yeah. I get creative with them, but or her. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't given them a gender yet. But basically, I mean, yeah. I just went for monk. I just went for what I thought Bigfoot would sound like with monkey sounds like deepened. But right. I mean, yeah. Well, they so, were breaking no. it down on what I've seen. It was like, oh, it couldn't possibly. You know, they were they were trying to break it down Sasquatch sounds. It couldn't be a bear because it, it, it was too drawn out. The pitch. Well, the the resonance of the voice could only come from a creature that's fifteen foot tall or something, and it's like, um, you know, how could you possibly? Well, larger. No, the footprints were were supposed yeah. to be the stride. The lady said the stride had would have had to have been something fifteen feet tall. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, stride was six foot. Yeah. Were. But yeah, maybe you could take Squatchy and do a whole. You know, do a whole episode of just your Squatchy segments. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back to the, I mean, so squash never really, smash cut. Possibly, <laughs> possibly. I mean, I could definitely, I don't know. I, I've thought for a while about doing like a, I mean, I'm at, it's funny because I'm actually working on a scripted series with somebody else right now that he created and he want, you want help on it. So I'm actually trying to co-produce, co-write that with him. Mm-hmm. Well, here's your it's little gonna, red riding hood right here. She wants to do voiceover work. So she would be perfect. I don't know about I, little riding hood right now. I'm still working well, for. Well, any damsel in distress yeah, that you I'll, want to put in uh, any kind of scream, voice theater. Know, well, we, she's willing to audition. She's not expecting any, you know. Any. We could, oh, we could definitely, Sarah, that's for sure, because we're definitely going to be looking for vo- voice actors pretty soon. Okay. Once we get this, we want to get like four or five episodes like scripted out completely perfect and then get well, the voice Well, now we have to buy equipment. Right. And a refrigerator. And a refrigerator. <laughs> but any new pot equipment comes with a refrigerator. Gotcha. Our current refrigerator has broken shelves and you cannot get parts. And trust me, I have tried. She's attaching things to it like political pork. Yeah. You know. (laughs) And I don't even like pork, but it's a refrigerator. (laughs) But I mean, have I been on a crypto investigation? I mean, yeah, I went through the Freetown Forest in uh, Massachusetts looking with the kids and the wife for a hike. And I kept telling the kids, Bigfoot's been spotted here. We're going to look for Bigfoot. But have I truly gone out with a team and done investigations? Just simply the answer is no, because I'm not an outdoors person. I hate the outdoors. I hate the woods. I really do. Snakes and bugs, I'm good. My wife forces me to go on hikes sometimes, with our, especially with our two Mastiffs, but it's just not for me. I mean, I I had a paranormal investigation done in my house because I had two spirits living in my house. Mm-hmm. I still do. But, I mean, other than that, I've never really done an investigation. I mean... I am more the one who wants to bring people in the world who do that type of thing out to the public eye. I am not the one who wants to go do that myself because yeah, I grew up want watching to be Scooby- the megaphone for them. I grew up watching Scooby Doo and I will straight up run like Scooby and Shaggy if I actually see something. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So I oh, mean meddling kids. Yeah. I have seen you I have seen UFOs though. I will say that. Oh cool. Uh, at- I think I might have seen one myself, but go ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it was a couple of years ago when I was at my now wife then girlfriend's house uh down the South Shore in the Bridgewater Triangle of Massachusetts, and we were walking in from the backyard like at the end of the day, and my stepson says to me, "He's like, why is that group of stars moving?" 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you have too much sugar. And I look up, I'm like, hey, like eight star. I mean, they had to be pretty far from Earth, but eight small star looking things were all moving in the same direction. And you could see them move with the human eye, which you can't see stars move with the human eye. So it was definitely, and it's the Bridgewater Triangle, which is a huge, huge, huge site for UFOs and a ton of other plethora of paranormal activity. Everything you could think of paranormal-wise has been the Bridgewater Triangle at some point in the last hundred years. But so, I mean, and plus my wife is pretty sure she, when she lived in that house, she was getting abducted on the regular. Mm. Because I I did buy them a camera down there and because she wanted to, she was getting creepy feelings in her room because it's also, the house she lived in was on a Native American burial ground too. So it was basically straight up poltergeist. And, and so she went, she went to sleep with the lights off even like that's how bad her house was haunted. But, and like I bought them a camera at one point just to watch the kid, keep an eye on the kids while she's out of the room and just to, you know, for a lot, multiple, multiple stupid reasons. But mm-hmm. the one night, it, according to what she says, and I believe her fully because I tried to look at the footage and it was destroyed, but she, outside of her window, which is on the second floor, so there's no way a human's climbing up straight. There's no way to get up there without a ladder and there's no ladder on the side of the house. So there's no way a human's getting up there. There was this big, hulking black looking thing on the on the roof and then as it got closer to the window the camera goes out spooky it's spooky as hell and my wife has thought multiple times that like she woke up in the morning and she never slept like it was just pure like she didn't sleep at all it was just that's what the way at least the way she felt and i tried telling her the old trick that i've learned from other podcasts that if you think you're being abducted wear your pajamas inside out because if you wake up and the right side out You've been abducted because aliens are not going (laughs) to. Exactly. Somebody dressed you and I I doubt humans would be, most humans wouldn't be so careful to make sure they did it right. They would just probably throw them on you or leave you naked. I mean, I'm sure plenty of times that's happened, but aliens, if they don't want people to know what they're doing, they'll put everything back on you exactly what you had on. Or they'll put it on the way they think you should have it on, which if you're wearing them inside out, they're not going to think you're doing that. So, I mean, it's just a theory. No, obviously there's no proof to that, but. It's been told by a lot of podcasters to be a possible way to prove you've been that something's happening to you at night. Did she follow that advice? No, because she's my wife and she doesn't listen to any of my advice, but that's marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) Well, you know what's weird is uh, I told you I thought I I haven't had a lot of paranormal experience. Maybe Mm -mm. each of us could share anything that we thought, you know, maybe. When you came home at when we came home after dad's funeral and the door was open. Yeah. That was that was strange because there was yeah. a double locked door that I mm-hmm. that definitely did not open. Now the landlord yeah. may have came in, but the day of my dad's funeral, I came home and the door was open. I got a weird feeling from that. Mm-hmm. Don't know. That's yeah. as, that's as strange as it got, right? Yep. And then there's your UFO sighting. The UFO sighting. I was going to ask you if the lights you saw were red because I saw uh, mine was in the shape of a triangle, and I actually told Aaron about this a couple of days afterwards, and I don't, I don't know if he remembers this, but I think he thought I was, I was kind of flipping out at the time anyway. I was kind of weird, weirding out <laughs> anyway. So I think that he thought I was just tripping or something, but it, yeah. I was delivering my newspapers and I looked up and I saw this like triangle of red lights that seemed to be moving and this just, just kind of disappeared over the horizon. I do right? kind of remember you telling that. Yeah. You do remember? Well, yeah. yeah. From well, what I understand, okay. Philip isn't the only one who saw them that night. Either. Which usually is the way it goes, especially with the triangle UFOs, because they are usually huge and they usually are seen by a multitude of people in one night because, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we tend to refer to those as possible motherships in the universal world, in the paranormal world, because mm-hmm. we think they might be actual motherships or something. And I mean, I have my own theory about the reasons aliens come to earth, but, um, but as far as the door open thing, when you walked into the house, did you get like a cold sensation, like goosebumps and like the back, the hair in the back of your neck standing up? I thought about that. There was no, no physical sensation like that, but yeah, yeah, it was a weird feel. It was like goosebumps, but not cold. Because my dad used to talk about when his grandfather died, his grandfather uh, told him that he could see his spirit leave just before he died. He could see his spirit leave his body. My dad would talk about that all the time. So I just, you know, I told this to my sister, who Terry, who Aaron knows, she very much believes in the paranormal. And she's like, she was totally unfazed. She said, yes, that was obviously him 
leaving you a sign. And then she told me a story about how he had visited her that night. Mm -hmm. So, and he sat on the, uh, the end of her bed. He's what did he, did he smile at her? Did he say, I love you? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the details of this discussion that they had, but yeah. We thought about, we asked, kind of asked Terry, we, we thought about asking her on, but she wasn't available. But then he's very pragmatic, but he definitely had these, uh, Mm -hmm. feelings too. He believed in it. Now I had a, um, oh, go ahead. It's it's funny you say that because my grandmother always said the same thing about when her father passed that she actually Mm -hmm. saw something leave his body when he passed. Like, just sitting in the living room. He passed sitting in the living room because he built the house that they, she's lived in for the last 90 years, basically. And he, after doing that, he was so stressed out that a couple of years later, he basically died from it. Like he had the shakes and everything and he basically died from it because, you know, building a house in the 1930s by yourself is insane. But, right. So, I mean, she always said when he died that she saw something float up out of his body and just go like wherever it went, it went. But. So it's a hundred percent possible. I think, I think back then people were more able to see things because they didn't have all these distractions we have nowadays. Like, and people died at home back then. They don't die at home anymore. Like they die now. It's nine out of 10 times in the hospital or a nursing home or something. So, right. So. Well, I know I had a, um, a paranormal, uh, we, we had a ghost in a house that we moved into. We were renting the house and, uh, we noticed that the back door would be open. The, we had two back doors, one upstairs, one downstairs. And the one, the basement back door would just be wide open. And my brother swore up and down that he was locking the door. So, um, one day I was down in the laundry room and I went into my brother's room to put the laundry in his room and, um, the door was shut and locked and chained. And uh, about I don't know, 20 minutes later, I feel this cold breeze go past my shoulders and I turn around and I go back and look and the door is open. Now, what would happen is this person would open that door or spirit. I I now know what it was, but um, it was a woman. And what she would do is she would open that door. But what she would do is she would come past our front door and go down the basement stairs and you would hear the basement door like a clap, but it wouldn't be open or anything. You wouldn't see it open, but it would be the back door that would be left open. Well, what had happened was um, out behind that house, it fronted, it, it backed onto the highway. And at the time that they were building that highway, her son was playing in that backyard and he was killed on the, on that road. He was run over by, I don't know if it was an early car or a horse and buggy, but he was killed and she was not able to get out of the house fast enough to go to him before he died. So her ghost, she lived in that house until she died. And um I found this out from some neighbors and her ghost would go through the house to try and get to her son. So, uh-huh. yeah, I was 15. And she was leaving our house unlocked. And so one day, as I felt the cold breeze going past, I said, excuse me, ma'am, I know that you're trying to get to your son, but if you could not leave the back door open, because I'm a 15-year-old girl, and sometimes I'm alone in the house, and it's not as safe as it was, you know, there are there are men that, you know, people that might break into the house. And like I said, I'm 15 and she never left the door open again. We would feel the breeze and every once in a while she would even pause near me because you could feel it get a little bit colder, but she never, she never left the door open again. You know what? I just got up. I went Mm -hmm. in to get a drink. Mm -hmm. The back door was open. Yeah. We did leave it unlocked this time. Yeah. Are both cats in the house? Yeah. Okay. Aaron, what about you? Mm -hmm. Have you, um, what's your ghost tale? Um, I don't have any of my own that I can think of. My wife has some that, uh, when I brought it up to her, she didn't remember it. But, um, after her brother died, he like visited her every day until she said, you got to stop. <laughs> and, and then he stopped. Um, what's, ama- what's amazing is that spirits are very receptive to what people say to them. And they sometimes, well, sometimes will listen to like what people ask of them. And I mean, a lot of times they won't because they just want to be left alone. They want to do what they want to do. But 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the ones that live in my house, I you can sense them sometimes. Like the one time me and my wife were up late drinking on the front porch smoking cigarettes, and mm-hmm. she, my wife, sensed these things. So she just straight up said, like, we have a little one of those white slider doors, like in our hallway that you can install. And she said, like, one of them is standing there right now, and they're not happy with the way we are living in this house. They're not happy with how we treat the kids. They're not happy with how we treat each other. They're just not happy with all the negativity in this house. And I just mm-hmm. blew it off because I'm drinking. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever you say. And like, I went back in the house, walked through that doorway, and hoo-hoo-hoo, like walking into a walk-in freezer in a restaurant. Oh, my God. I was mm-hmm. like, I turned around. I was like, okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> but like it was – and I was going to bed at that point. So, it, you know, that's not, that's the last thing you want when you're going to bed is to feel that. But I just right. shrugged it off and went to bed. But – I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm used to them watching me when I sleep now anyway. But yeah. I mean, according, according to invest, according to investigators, they never had kids, so they want they stay in the kids' rooms to watch the kids. But I don't know how much I believe that. Oh, that will be me if I die in this house. I'll just hang out in the room with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did, do you, what about me, uh, mediums? Have you ever done a session with a medium? We had a a, a guest one time. Her name was Suzanne Munson. Very, she was a mm-hmm. college professor. She wrote a book about George With, a very serious historical book about uh, Williamsburg. And, but she also wrote a book called The Metaphysical Thomas Jefferson, where she channeled Jefferson and detailed the session. Well, she had book. a medium channel Jefferson, right. and she talked to the medium. Right. To, or talked to him through the medium. Right. And the things that, that came through were uh, checked out historically, even though the medium was from South America and did not have a, 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 grasp, a, a grasp of American, American yeah. history. So, so what the, you know, what do you, what's your take on that uh, mediums channeling? I, I've had four to six or seven mediums in my show. I mean, just tonight I had a past life regressionist, which uh, I mean, they're not exactly mediums per se, but I f- she was recommended to me by a medium I had on my show named Nina Roberts, who's from the UK. And so let me put it this way. Every time I talk to a medium or psychic now or anybody who does any kind of energy work, the whole show while I'm talking to them, I get this feeling in the middle of my head, like in my brain, and I can't shake it. I've tried being stoned. I've tried being, well, I wouldn't say drunk because I don't like to do my podcast drunk, but I'll, I'll be drinking while I'm doing it. And like, I just don't, like, I can't shake it. And, I, they, a lot of the mediums I talked to say in the last five years, there's been a spiritual awakening happening across the world, which is why part of the reason my show has the name it does is because people are more and more accepting of these things now, especially because of COVID. COVID forced people to be in their house and a lot of them started looking up classes for stuff like mediumship and for astral projecting and all that stuff, dream walking, or if you want to call it by its street name, but, and so, more and more people are putting their energy out into the world, into this stuff. And I don't even like calling it stuff. There's just not a better name for it. And it's all become more powerful. I mean, I believe it. I am starting to think I have abilities I can't really open yet that I can't unlock, but they're there. And everybody might have these abilities if they just really started meditating and trying to unlock it, they might be able to. So I fully believe that there are, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was always a big believer that mediums and psychics were, carnival sideshows that we're trying to just get a buck out of you but as i've been talking to more and more of them there are definitely real ones out there and i even talked to a person who is she wrote a book called the yellow brick road to psychics or something along those lines i don't remember the exact name sorry corby but and she she will tell you she tells you like there are plenty of fakes out there you have to figure out who's real before you go see one don't waste your money on someone basically the bottom line is if they just want you to spend more money to have them bless you or have them bless candles you light at church in your name and stuff, like if they want you to spend a ridiculous amount of money on candles or anything like that to make you problem go away, they're not real. They're just trying to get money out of you. They Googled you before you came in. But I 100% believe in them. And when Nina Roberts was on my show, after we got done, like I told her, like I had this feeling in my head. Like I feel like my eyes were starting to go, like my vision was starting to go a little blurry, even though I wasn't drinking at that point. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, Oh, there's a spirit right beside you. That's what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. according to her, it was one of my grandfathers that passed away. Yeah. And well, made me believe the, her. 
so Suzanne, you don't seem to have any trouble getting guests, but I mean, Suzanne would be someone you might like to have on. Uh, the medium that she used gained her trust because she channeled her husband and was able to verify things that only she knew about her husband or, their, you know, they only knew between them. Mm-hmm. That's when she felt like she could trust the medium enough to move on to Jefferson and historical figure, you know, mm-hmm. but she was very serious woman. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. um, in fact, she bristled when we w- mispronounced George Wyth's name several times. <laughs> in our <laughs> defense, we listened to it via PDF and the PDF called him George White. Yeah. Because it was W H Y T or W H Y, yeah, W H Y T H E. Yeah, yeah. And so you know. So it's very, but yeah, it's very interesting. But um, I, I definitely would, I definitely would have Ron. I mean, I never turn away a guest usually. I mean, unless it's something that I just can't see being an episode. But I mean, I I've had, I've had I've had people on that really don't. It was a topic that I think is important enough, and it's not really paranormal related. I just call it a normal segment because it's, I mean, I kind of put myself in a corner by doing a paranormal podcast because mm-hmm. I see plenty of people on Facebook groups and podcast guest groups that have great, like, histories or stories that they could tell, but it just doesn't relate to me, so I can't use it. Like, right. just... Yeah, send them our way. I gladly will. Gladly will. Philip feels that our uh, general purpose, i.e., you know, different subjects every week, um, hampers our viewership. And I, I think that it might hamper it now at the beginning, but I think that eventually if people cotton to us, you know, let's say they tune in for this paranormal episode and then they come back the next week for, I don't know, uh, my little pony fans or something. Not that that's scheduled in any way. Oh, actually we have a, a, a poet. Well, no we bronies. Educator. Huh? We don't have a brony scheduled? We we could get a brony, I'm sure. Let's find some bronies. You were supposed to come prepared with a brony tonight, Aaron. Yeah. You're falling down. You're yeah. doing too much camping and hiking, I guess. Oh, yeah. Aaron my- is very outdoors, and he recently had a snake experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, danger, a dangerous snake or a regular snake? Rattlesnakes. There were three of them three Fridays ago now, I guess it was. And, um, Joe, who I was hiking with, um, was backing away from one and stumbled over a ditch and fell down. He scraped his arm, but he's fine. Snakes didn't bite anyone or anything, but uh, mm. yeah, that was, that was a scare. Which, well, I mean, actually, if you want to look into it for the brony part, uh, my <laughs> friend, my, my friend does a, um, podcast called Pardon My Fandom and he actually had a, bro- a guest on to talk about their brony love and he also had a, um, Furry on to talk about furry world. Uh, we're obliged to have a brony now. I feel like it's Which, a challenge. Uh, <laughs> all right, I've been faking I mean, it all this time. What the hell is a brony? Uh, uh, it's uh, a grown. It's a grown. It's a grown man who's into My Little Pony. Ah, yeah. gotcha. Mostly, uh, they got to it during college. Yeah, you know, they would watch My Little Pony begin classes because it was calming and sweet. I thought you were I thought you were saying a drug brony or but, something. But they like, have uh, yeah. they have brony con, I guess, and or sort of. They don't call it that, but oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, they dress they, up as their favorite pony the whole nine yards. I mean, they, they did an episode of Bob's Burgers all about it, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty big thing. Like, it's a pretty big thing now. I mean, I never knew it was until I saw Bob's Burger episode. I'm like, are you serious? And then like I saw a documentary on Netflix all about bronies. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a pretty good guest. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, and if we can if we can watch the Barney the Dinosaur uh, uh, biography, we could watch the Brony right uh, show. You watched the Barney the Dinosaur biography? <laughs> yeah, there was actually a biography about. Well, it was more of a like you know the making of kind of oh. thing, how it oh. how it was created and all that. But still, I just I joke that we watched a biography about Barney the Dinosaur. Born to- Born of a mother and father Brachiosaurus. That no, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, right. no, a desperate woman whose kid wouldn't sit still for less than five seconds. Well, this has been an entertaining Freddy hour. Still for dinosaurs. Why don't we go around the table with mm-hmm. our final questions for Jeremy? Okay. So that 
Aaron doesn't pass out. Aaron, do you want to go first or you want me? I'm better now. I I jumped in the pool during that break. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Aaron we, has a pool. Wish we had that option. Yeah. I, my wife wants that option, but I'm good. I like AC. <laughs> I could jump in the fire pit out there, but that's not going to have. Yeah, I don't that think sounds that's counterproductive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially since you are so hot, maybe I could stand in the fire pit. Yeah. Since I am, I freeze now for some reason. What about but you, Aaron? You got any mm-hmm. final words for Jeremy? Um, no. Oh, yeah. Check out Ween the Mollusk. Mm-hmm. Well, co- shoot me a shoot me a message on Facebook, man. I'll get you on my music show, and you can bring him. All right. Awesome. You, That's my co-host, my co-host right. has never heard. Yeah. My co-host has never heard of them. So, if he That's hasn't right. heard something, I would love to introduce him to it because he trying to get anything he hasn't heard of is freaking impossible. Impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Lise? Uh, is there anything that we did not discuss, go over, or um, cover enough that you would have liked us to do a little more on? Well, I'll put it this way. I, I can do a whole 15-minute, half-hour segment on living dinosaurs. So, I mean, I'm not talking about alligators or crocodiles either. Just put it that way. So, <laughs> I so, do I mean, have another question. Okay. Godzilla, alien or cryptid or dinosaur? Godzilla? Yep. Uh, definitely a, well, it's funny you mention that because there's a famous cryptid called Mokele Mbembe, who is mm-hmm. a brontosaurus, supposedly, or mm-hmm. species like that, who lives in the Congo. Mm-hmm. And in Godzilla, King of Monsters, or Godzilla vs. Kong, I forget which one, the one where they showed all the, oh yeah, it was Godzilla vs. Kong, I believe, or King of Mon- I don't know, I forget which one it was, but in one of those movies, in the no- in the novelization, they did a huge, uh, well, in the novelization, they talked about Mokele and Bembe, which is a real cryptid, unlike all the other uh, kaiju in Godzilla. My son would kill me mm-hmm. if I didn't know that name. But mm-hmm. I do. In the movie, in the movie, they actually showed like his containment cell, and they just it just said like number whatever Mokele and Bembe, and that's all they did in the movie. But so Godzilla would definitely be a dinosaur left over. He'd be a living dinosaur. He's not an alien. There's all the storylines have always been that he lived in the sea and a yeah. nuclear bomb woke him up. So Aaron, he he would be a sea monster basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think he's alien. Aaron's son is a uh, authority on Godzilla, mm-hmm. the entire canon and everything. He's even yeah. writing his own movie and has taught himself Japanese. Right. So that he can, more, you know. More power yeah. to him. Japanese mm-hmm. is a hard language to learn from everything I've been told. Yeah, started when he was like 13, I think. He's mm. 21 now. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's pretty I sharp mean, my, cookie. Man, time flies. I mean, my stepson freaking loves Godzilla and kaijus. He plays mm-hmm. the games on, Ro- on Roblox all the time with all the kaijus. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. finally... uh is uh your socials how can people catch your podcast um, and, and, uh, mention the socials for your music podcast as well well the great thing is i combined them all into one because i got uh, sick of doing i used to be on five podcasts I understand and I got, completely I, I used to be on five podcasts at once and i got sick of naming them all in every podcast i went on so i created the group that you guys are part of which is paranormal the new normal slash maniacal music musings podcasts with an s group on facebook and you also you also can find me on as jeremy bryant on facebook of course Mm -hmm. or you can find me on twitter and the gram as at juggalo bastard and Mm -hmm. on tiktok and youtube as juggalo bastard podcasts i am still working on getting all of them up on tiktok because splitting every video into 10 minute segments and putting it up there is such pain so you said work you said that's why he does it you said juggalo bastard Juggalo bastard. So you're an insane is, clown posse fan, right? I've I've seen I them live twice. I've seen them insane clown posse. Yeah, I've seen them live twice in the last five six years. So yes, yeah, you're a juggalo. Uh, yeah, I'm a, <laughs> and they're I'm, they're I'm, fairly close here, but we've never seen them. No, mm-hmm. Lisa's I'm, claims I'm a, to be a juggalo also. But. Mm-hmm. I I would recommend. I I mean, I, their concerts are amazing no matter what. But mm-hmm. the one I went to on acid was freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I have a brother who uh who has uh gotten off of um acid 
and he's gotten off of crack and he's gotten off of LSD and he's gotten off of um, cocaine, we hope. And uh, currently he's just using uh, mushrooms and uh, what is the other thing he uses? I have no idea. Oh, uh, mushrooms, pot, and, and he drinks. Yeah. So anyway, he's trying. To having done it a couple feet. times myself, only a couple times. So, I don't I, think you'll be doing it on. Uh, already we'd be down for the show. Just as a baseline, because I'm ADD. Yeah. So I don't. Uh, I'd do it right. Our, our, <laughs> uh, you know, alternate high. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, I'm, just going weed. Just going on weed's fun too. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I yeah. Smoked, well, I, I smoked many a blunt before an ICP show and had a yeah. great time. So. And I, I would be using, um, uh, using weed in a hot minute because it's supposed to help with pain. Uh, but, um, I have a job that's, uh, it's a state job. Right. So, you know. And, you, and, I'm, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, well, wait a minute. Isn't Ohio? Well, no, no Ohio legal, but it follows federal guidelines. So if they uh, pull me in for testing. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And, see, see, this well, is, see, this is why we don't do the streaming. This yeah. is why we don't do the streaming, right? <laughs> why? We can talk about this. Uh, so I mean, they don't care if, if they don't care if once I retire, I I start smoking pot. Okay. They're not going to care. It has been. You know? It's been a fun man. I really yeah. enjoyed the hour. And, and Philip can yeah. handle the contact high because his company is very conservative, and they also follow federal guidelines. Right. They'd yeah. probably follow them even if they didn't exist. I've been enjoying your show. I'll continue to watch. It's been a lot of fun having you. Maybe we'll have you back. Yeah. One of these other yeah. topics. Um, Aaron, do you have a final question? No, I just uh, just followed you on Twitter. And when I figure out which of the Jerry May Bryants you are, I'll follow you on Facebook. I, friend, I, I believe my friend requested you. Okay, cool. That makes so. it easier. All right. There's, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's only one Aaron Leckinger, so. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. We have social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Yeah.